You're listening to Sibling Talk with Mary Jo Tumare and John Paulette. Commentary from a progressive point of view. Hello, I'm John Paulette. I'm Mary Jo Tumare. So, Mary, uh, did you have your ticket Saturday night for the <laughs> rally in Tulsa? I did not. I didn't realize there was this fun thing going on. This is the problem with not being social media savvy and not even really knowing what TikTok is. To be, If I'm honest, that these young folks, these K-pop, which I do know what that is, followers, were buying tickets, heard of other young people just pranking or punking Trump by buying tickets, or not buying, I guess. Signing up for tickets is what they did, right? Um, although I don't think that's all that was going on there with those numbers, but it's certainly funny. <laughs> I thought it was it super is. funny. I, well, it was funny, and the Trump uh, campaign clearly bought it. They were saying, we have a million people coming uh, there, and that was all that fiction, but they really believed it. I mean, they put a stage and a screen outside planning on this huge overflow. But but I agree with you, although that's kind of the funny part on the outside. That's not everything that was going that accounted for only, I, the numbers I'm reading is a little bit less than 7,000 people in a 19,000 uh, person arena. What do you think was keeping that number down? Well, I think there were a couple things. I mean, obviously the pranking was part of it, but another thing, I think was the pandemic. I think people, um, despite how they might feel like it's a little bit of a hoax or it's overblown or the media is trying to hurt Trump, when it came down to it, thought, I'm just not sure I'm comfortable doing that. So just, I think some folks who might otherwise have gone use their better judgment. And he does have an older demographic. So I mean, listen, I really love Elizabeth Warren. I wouldn't go sit and listen to her speak. No, and I, you know, when <laughs> I, I have, love the Cleveland Orchestra and I wouldn't go listen to them play. No, and I, my entire life, I've wanted to see Barbara Streisand. I don't think I'd go there, especially if I was asked to sign a waiver that saying that they know that this is dangerous, but you need to sign away. Uh, any sense of holding them liable. Yeah, so I think if there's probably a combination of things that happen. I think some other people might have been afraid of the protesters because if you listen to that media, the Fox um, media types, they talk about the protesters as really violent. And so... Again, why throw yourself into a situation where you could get hurt? And um, just as an aside, did you see the lady who had a T-shirt that said, I can't breathe, and then they arrested her, but she had a ticket? And Oh, I, no. Oh, yes. And so I just wanted to um, note to you that she reminded me very much 
of your late wife, Sabina. <laughs> <laughs> because she she had kind of an artsy vibe about her. And, Did she? You know, if your listeners don't yeah. know, Sabina was an artist. And yeah. Remember and- that hilarious time she Sabina <laughs> went to that protest, but she had the wrong date? Yeah. And while well, I can tell the story quickly, there's one other Sabina thing. Uh, Sabina was notoriously bad on dates. And so she decided, uh, not only decided she wanted to go to a protest, she went to like Kinko's and had a sign printed up. She paid for it that said Black Lives Matter. Got on the train, went downtown. There's no protest. It was another another day. But anybody else would get on the train and come back home. She did not. She found a young African-American man, started talking to him, and uh, the two of them decided they would protest. They went to a huge festival that Chicago used to have called Taste of Chicago, and they decided that's what they would do is they were going to occupy Taste of Chicago. So the two of them walk in, start walking around, and they attract the attention of about seven policemen. She got out her camera, her smartphone, and uh, videoed these guys who you can hear them on the video saying, short, uh, elderly woman uh, with a young black male going past the turkey wings right now. (laughs) She absolutely would have done it. And I I have to quickly, I'm not going on about it. I have to give her a little credit she was early on the same kind of TikTok scam. Donald Trump was to appear here at the University of Illinois, Chicago, while he was campaigning. And uh, it didn't finally happen. He said it was too dangerous and he canceled it. But Sabina went on and ordered tickets. And to do that, you had to sign up with like the Republican Party, I think, or the campaign. And then you could get the tickets. She wanted more tickets. So she signed me up. And do you know, to this day, I'm still on the Republican Party's mailing list and I cannot get so up. That's the gift, no gift matter that keeps what on giving and you can thank Sabina for that. But, um, but anyway, does. that lady reminded me because I think there was, you know, there's always a little bit of a circus feel to these yeah. kind of yeah. events. So you have the people that are like serious protesters and there were some pictures. I didn't watch a lot of it, just kind of when they were going in. And you know, with like AK-47s, like some seriously armed people. And I don't know what they belong to. Yeah. And then I didn't realize that if somebody has a Hawaii shirt on, so keep this in mind, because you do wear Hawaii shirts, that means you're yeah. part of the, are they, are they called bugaloos or huggle? I think it's bugaloo or something. It's Bug, bugaloo or bugaboo. Something, or something like that. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah, I'm sorry to tell you that. So I didn't know that. No, until I've Saturday. got like seven Hawaiian I shirts. Know. I don't want to be a bugaboo. <laughs> yeah, you and you oh. and your granddaughter both. So, um, so that there were those guys. You know, there were the serious protesters, and um, but the the whole thing was seemed to me to be very peaceful. And those were not just the media reports, but the police reports as well. And then you know the Trump folks lined up and went in. And how truly disappointing for them, but for Trump. I, mean, the, I just saw um, the film of him coming back to the White House, and he looked truly dejected. Is it the one with his tie yeah. inside? He looks yeah, sad. I've never seen that. Have you? No. Yeah. 
He looked really sad. Yeah, he takes that heart. And well, and that leads me really to the bigger question. Central to Trump's appeal, effort, message has always been, I'm a winner. I can draw the big crowds. I mean, I'm not just reading this in. He says this all the time. I can fill arenas with crowds like nobody has ever seen. And this certainly was meant to contrast with sleepy Joe Biden sitting in his basement. I can fill up even in times of of COVID. What does that do to that message? Right. And, you know, that's the kind of narrative that once it starts, it's very hard to get rid of in the same way that he built his I'm a winner uh, narrative. And people kind of went with that. You know, Hillary Clinton is dishonest and a horrible person. And narratives in politics are very hard to change. And it felt to me when I Saturday I turned the TV on and you saw those empty seats. I thought this could be the beginning of the end for Trump. All the things we thought were going to going to destroy him. But he was like the dragon slayer. Right. I can beat Mueller. I can beat Nancy Pelosi. I can beat all of them. I can beat COVID. But you know what? He couldn't beat COVID. No, he couldn't. And I think we've brought this up before, but I want to point out the timing. When you think back, uh, Romney is, I think, the best uh, of the examples, but John Kerry was as well. That narrative, the narrative about Romney, uh, that he was a wealthy financial you know, venture capitalist who destroyed small businesses, uh, thought corporations were people and didn't care about little folks, that gelled in June. Remember the Obama administration, or campaign rather, poured a lot of money and people questioned at the time, why spend it all in June? They defined Mitt Romney then. And so that kind of set setting in the gelling of a narrative could happen right now. We don't know what will happen this week on, uh, on the court cases, the fumbling and bumbling with this last Friday night uh, firing. This has not been a good couple of weeks for him. Really, it hasn't. And I think it's true what you're saying about, you know, everything he does then starts to be seen in that narrative. And you think of Romney, you know, the guy says, well, I have binders full of women. Actually, that was kind of a benign statement. But because of everything else we thought about him at that point, it became not just a laugh line, but like an example of how heartless he was and and not true either about Romney because we finally figured out so every bad thing you think about Trump probably is true but um he I think he's going this week down to the border and that someone described it to see his border wall and that to me sounded so pathetic like yeah. It's his little border wall. It's his little project. Nobody else really agrees with it. And that could be a disaster. Everything he does now could be a disaster if it's seen in the context of he's just a loser, a lucky loser. And I, I'm going to push my thesis a little more. And I, I could be correct on this time. But Comey's announcement that he they were not going to proceed 
with indictment or so forth on Hillary Clinton based on the emails. But if you remember, he didn't really let her off the hook. He went through a whole criticism about about it. So it was kind of like, well, we can't prosecute her, but none of these things were good. That happened the end of June. Now, clearly, Comey again, uh, later, a couple of weeks before the election, has more and more effect on it. But the reason I bring it up is I think that goes with what you were just saying. That had become so defined about Hillary Clinton that she just doesn't really tell the truth, that everything after that fit into that story. And, you know, it's interesting what's happened last week. And here we go. I'm saying the words again. But the Bolton book, because everything in the Bolton book, some of it shows him to be, you know, really corrupt and all of that. But so much of it shows him to just be stupid. And when Bolton says all he cared about is being reelected, everything he did was for his reelection. Again, that makes him seem desperate and kind of like a loser. Like, really, you're giving up. You know, you're kissing China's ass. We're the United States of America. We don't need to be kissing anybody's ass. And you're doing that. That's what a loser does. That. Yeah. And I have to admit, I called it wrong on, on the Bolton book. I thought the country was going to say, we don't care. You should have testified before. That's not true. People do care what's in the Bolton book. Yeah, because he was so close to where the decisions were being made. And it's he just didn't pull any punches. And again, yeah. we probably will talk about Bolton another time and what motivates him. But yeah. I don't have the stomach yeah. for it today. No, no. <laughs> and I have to go. I, I might as well admit this right up front. I bought my tickets to the uh, Trump rally on the aftermarket on StubHub. And, <laughs> and, and I kind of feel like I'm due some kind of refund yeah. on on that i i got the whole thing wrong so i gotta go take care of that right now oh my lord okay all right talk to you later Bye. bye